G'day, uh, my name is Daniel, and I'll be uh, preaching to us from this passage. Uh, how about we pray as we do so? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks um, that we can open your word on campus and that we can study it together. Uh, please be with us today as we look at Galatians. Help me to speak your truth and your truth alone, and help us all to sit under your word and so be affected by it. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, um, over time, uh, old, new things become old. Over time, the things that are mind-blowing, the things that are out of this world, the things that are, um, are exciting, they just become grey, lifeless, boring. Over time, things that are extraordinary become just ordinary. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't know many people who think sitting in a car and going for a drive is particularly extraordinary. Um, I've never particularly been that excited about um, driving a car, except, uh, except when I first got my licence. And I got um, my hands on this beauty. And I remember sitting behind uh, the wheel and grasping it. I remember having my eyes wide open and being really excited. I remember thinking, I have so much power and so much freedom. I just press the accelerator and I can go anywhere. It's exciting. It's so amazing. So extraordinary. I remember thinking as I reversed out for the first time by myself uh, and I had to turn right, I remember thinking, oh, if I don't turn on this indicator, no one's going to tell me to do it. And if I don't stay in this lane, no one's going to tell me off. And if I don't check my blind spot, well, I might have an accident. <laughs> and so it was exciting. It was also terrifying. It was exhilarating. It was such a great time when I first drove my car. Now, 15 years later, I can tell you, it's not like that anymore. Uh, familiarity with driving has made it dull and boring and lifeless. Over time... The extraordinary ability to drive has become rather ordinary. It's almost a chore. And instead of my eyes being wide and open, now I often struggle to keep them open when I'm driving. And I think we have a bit of a similar experience sometimes as Christians, especially the longer we are Christians. All too often... Uh, we, the, the things that are mind-blowing, the things that are exhilarating, the things that are out of this world, the things that are offensive and in your face about the gospel, well, they just become ordinary. Things that we just pass over. And in some ways, that's what we've been looking at as we've been looking through Galatians. We've seen key aspects of the gospel message, key important things that often lose their meaning and lose their significance in our lives. Let me remind you of where we've come through the book of Galatians. We've seen that there is no other gospel than the one gospel that God has given to us, the one true gospel. We've seen that opponents of the gospel need to be cursed. We've seen that trying to earn our way into heaven is futile. We've seen that it is only by faith that we can be made right with God. That the object of our faith, Jesus Christ, him alone makes us justified. He alone declares us right before God. And we've seen that because of Jesus, we can be adopted by God. We can have Jesus as our brother. 
and we can be co-heirs with him of the promises of God. Now the question that I think our passage asks us today is, have these truths just become another message? Something that we say with our mouths, but we don't really believe in our hearts. Unfortunately, over time, the other messages of this world often come and, and overcrowd these exciting truths. The stresses of friends and family, the pressures of study, the other messages that we hear from the world make these mind-blowing truths of the gospel just mundane. We so easily, we so, so easily forget and return back to the way that we once lived. And it's not just us. It's the Galatians too. That's, that's, the, that's what this passage talks about, I think. And I think the passage is divided into two parts. Uh, firstly, a, a personal appeal by the Apostle Paul. And secondly, an appeal from the Old Testament Scriptures or an example from the Old Testament Scriptures. And so we're at point one. If you're following in your outline, that would be great. Um, we're at point number one. Paul's personal appeal. And his appeal comes in three parts. Firstly, don't go back. Don't return to the old way. Secondly, he says, remember your love. Remember your first love. And then the third point of his appeal, he asks, who really cares for you? Um, Point 1a, don't go back. Paul says, don't return back to slavery. Don't turn back to being enslaved by the law. Let me show you from verse 8. Verse 8. Um, before, sorry, before becoming Christians, the Gentiles, um, they were slaves. Let me read verse 8. In the past, when you didn't know God, you were enslaved to things that by nature are not God's. And now the Galatians have become Christians. They have already been freed. And so what does Paul say in verse 9? He says, but now, since you know God, or rather have become known by God, How can you turn back again to the weak and bankrupt elemental forces? Do you want to be enslaved to them all over again? You see, the the elemental forces are the ways of the world. Paul is asking, are you turning back to the old way where you used to rely on your own efforts for salvation? He says, brothers and sisters, that is slavery. Trying to earn your salvation is slavery. That's what they were doing. In verse 10, they were going back to the, to the old Jewish rituals, the old calendar, and trying to earn their freedom again. And it's sad. It's sad because the Galatians have forgotten. They've overlooked their first love, their gospel love, the gospel that Paul had brought to them. You see, Paul had brought the gospel to the Galatians, and they fell in love with this message. They fell in love, not just with the message, but also Paul, who brought it to them. Let me show you from verse 13. And you know that previously I preached the gospel to you in physical weakness. And though my physical condition was a trial for you, you did not despise or reject me. On the contrary, you received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus himself. The Galatians had heard the gospel from Paul. Now, when Paul had brought the gospel to them, he was physically unwell. He wasn't in a state to listen to. He was weak, and he wasn't very impressive. But despite that, the Galatians, they heard the gospel, and they were gripped by its message. 
And as they heard the good news that Jesus offers freedom from sin, they believed it and they embraced it. And they embraced Paul as the person who brought the message. And they were thankful that he proclaimed this truth to them. And so the Galatians and Paul had a strong affection for each other. They cared for each other. They loved and and, and thought highly of each other. Now throughout this passage, Paul uses a very strong um, tone with the Galatians. But we can know that his tone, his strong tone, his strong rebuke comes out of love. You see, he calls the Galatians brothers in verse 12. He calls them children in verse 19. He says that he labored for them in verse 11. Paul is concerned for the Galatians out of a love for them. And you can understand why Paul is concerned, can't you? Because the Galatians have started listening to false teachers, to people who who are turning them away from Paul, who are turning them away from the true gospel. These teachers are saying, follow these old traditions, these Jewish traditions. Um, And they're doing it with a lot of enthusiasm. So they're, they're a bit, it's a bit confusing because they're quite exciting. You know, verse 17 of, of chapter 4. They, the false teachers, they are enthusiastic about you, but not for any good. Instead, they want to isolate you so you'll be enthusiastic about them. The false teachers, they, they, they eagerly appear to agree with the gospel but actually they're distorting the gospel. They're changing it. And rather than than putting the focus on Jesus, Jesus as the one who offers salvation, well, in verse 17, we see that they're drawing the attention to themselves. They're saying, follow me. Follow our ways, the things that we do. This is how you get salvation. Now, if you contrast that to the message that Paul presented to them, well, Paul said, He went out of his way. He went through a lot of pain and anguish to make sure that they are saved. Paul didn't put the focus on himself. He put the focus on God. He wanted to focus on the true gospel. And he he says to the Galatians, don't turn back away from it. I've labored for, for you over this. Don't turn back away from the truth. Now, um, when I was doing my engineering degree, which was a long time ago, um, I had to do an undergraduate thesis as part of it. Now, this thesis took up a lot of my time. It spent maybe 30, 40, 50 hours a week for a whole year um, working on this thesis. Uh, I did experiment after experiment, or report after report. Um, and I, in some ways, I had no idea what I was doing. Because, um, but I thankfully had a supervisor. Her name was Anita. And Anita kept telling me um, what I should be doing next. She kept guiding me. She was really, really helpful. Um, I'd often send her some of my reports, and she'd re- um, reply um, back with um, helpful feedback, lots of ideas on what to do next. Um, and often she'd, she'd, she'd reply back the same day I sent that message, my, my initial reports to her, two or three in the morning. She, she was very diligent. She worked very, very hard to help me get my thesis done. She worked very, very hard to help me um, get my engineering degree. And even after I finished my degree, even after I graduated, um, Anita still cared for me. Um, she looked out for me. And so um, I remember she, she asked me once if, if she could help me find a job. And when I didn't have a job, and I was like, oh, that's very, 
That's very nice of you, Anita. Thank you. Thanks very much. Um, now, you can imagine, if, if Anita had asked me, oh, Daniel, do you have a job? Um, what are you going to do next? If I said, no, Anita, I don't have a job. I think I might go back to study. You know, I think I might go back to study in primary school, start, start at, one, at grade one again, go through primary school, go through secondary school, go through do my engineering degree again, don't go through do all those assignments and, and, and get my bachelor's degree all over again. You can imagine that she'd be like, Daniel, are you stupid? You've already got your degree. I've, I've helped you, I've labored so hard to help you get your degree. How foolish would that be for me after getting my degree to go back and start at grade one all over again? And in some ways, that's what's happening with the Galatians. And that's why Paul is pleading with the Galatians. He's saying, you foolishly have forgotten how you have been freed. And this, this applies to us as well. We often forget the mind-blowing, out-of-this-world, amazing, undeserved gift of salvation that God has given to us in Jesus Christ, and we go back to the rules and regulations of this world. We go back to trying to make our own way right with God, over and over again. So often we overlook that there is nothing that we can do to be saved. Nothing that we, nothing that we do makes us saved, Nothing that we do continues to keep us safe with God. And we need to hear, just as the Galatians did, we need to hear Paul's plea to not return to the old way. There are many different things that maybe um, are playing at the back of our mind as we, as the doubts that come up, um, the different things that we consider where we say, oh, I think I'm, I'm safe, but to be really sure, I'll, I'll, I'll just do this I'll just make sure I say these prayers, just to make sure I'm really safe. Or just to be safe, I, I know that perhaps if I give money to, to the church, I'll definitely be saved. I know that I'll definitely be saved. Or, or, or if, if I go to church every week, I know I, I will definitely be safe. Uh, don't get me wrong, going to church, giving money um, away, saying prayers, they're all great, they're all wonderful things. But they're not a burden that we have to bear to earn our salvation. So we need to hear the reminder, hear the plea from Paul. We have already been free. Don't return back to the burden of having to earn your own freedom. Now the reason we don't have to earn our own freedom is because we are not slaves um, to the law. We are not children of slaves. And that's the second point that I want to um, bring up. Um, from our passage today, we're at point number two, where Paul makes a comparison between slaves to the law and free children of the promise. See, Christians are not slaves, they're not children of the law, rather ch Christians are free children of the promise. That's what it says in uh, the last verse of, that, of our passage, uh, chapter 4, verse 31. Therefore, brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free will. What Paul is doing in verses 21 to 31 is using um, the history of God's people to make a point. He uses the history to make an illustration. He's not trying to interpret what that history is saying. He's just trying to explain a point against the false teachers uh, in Galatia. 
Now, these false teachers, I think they will likely have been aware of this history. They would have been very... Um, I think they would have maybe even been misinterpreting this history and teaching it in the wrong way. And so Paul here is using that same history, our Christian heritage, to make a point. And that point is quite simple. Christians are not children of slavery. Um, let me explain to you the contrast that he raises here. There's a contrast of two different children. Quite, um, quite simple. You see, um, Abraham, one of our forefathers, back in Genesis, was given two promises. Or given promises. Um, and one of those promises was that he would have a child. Now, in Abraham's life, there were two women. Um, there was his wife, Sarah, on one hand. She was very old, very old, <laughs> like 90 years old. old. Um, she was barren. She'd never had a child. Um, and, yeah, and she was barren. So, yeah, that, that's one woman. Um, <laughs> Second woman was Hagar. Hagar was Sarah's maid or Sarah's slave. Uh, she was young, she was unmarried, and she was of childbearing age. And so when God says to Abraham, you're going to have a child, and you look at the two women, you sort of think, oh yeah, you can see, probably through Hagar, he's going to have, um, have a child with. And so as the story goes through Genesis, um, Abraham sleeps with Hagar and has a child named Ishmael. And together, this child is a natural, physical um, boy from a slave. But you see, God's promise to Abraham wasn't for a child through slavery. God's promise was that he would have a child through his wife, Sarah. Let me show you. From Genesis chapter 17, verse 19, it says, uh, God says to Abraham, No, 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 your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you will name him Isaac. I will confirm my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his future offspring. So God's promise, or his covenant, is going through Sarah. Um, Sarah, who is his very old and very barren wife. Now, if you follow this story, and I think many of you know it, in Genesis, um, what you see is that Sarah does have a child at 90 years old. It's amazing. And so you, you can know that at that point in time, that child is beyond a natural child. That child is a child of the promise um, because God had promised that there, that there would be a child. And what, what, um, what Paul is trying to illustrate with these two women are the two different, um, two different people in this world. On one hand, um, there are people who are born into slavery, um, children of Hagar, um, people who are under the law, um, born of the flesh, uh, who live their lives their own way. On the other hand, uh, you have um, children of the promise. And what Sarah represents are free children, people who, who are heirs to an inheritance with God. Now that's a cause for rejoicing and celebrating as we consider these two contrasts and as we consider where Christians are. Um, children of the promise. Now, um, let me try and explain this a little more. Imagine you were enslaved. Imagine each day you were required to work without reward. Each day you had no will of your own. You had to do what your captors told you to do. 
And now imagine you had been set free. You could live your life as you so wished. You, you were free. Now, if you're free from slavery, what would you do? I can tell you that you wouldn't go back to your captors and you wouldn't go back and say, please, make me your slave again. Please, um, take away my freedom. Please, don't let me do anything I want to do. Force me to do whatever you want me to do. There's no way you would ever do that. It makes no sense at all whatsoever. And that's why Paul is using this illustration of the slave and the free woman. There is a distinction, a difference between being enslaved and being free. And people who are free don't go back to slavery, do they? In this illustration, being enslaved means relying on the law, trusting in your own abilities. And we've seen over the weeks throughout Galatians that the result of this is failure. That's what verse 21 says. Tell me, you who want to be under the law, don't you hear the law? If you go back to slavery, if you go back to the law, you're going to face failure. Trusting in the law to earn or to keep your standing before God only leads to death. And Paul is saying here, remember your heritage. God's people, even way back then in Genesis, God's people have always been recipients of God's promise. God's people have always been children of free, of freedom. God's people have done nothing to earn their status with God. And if you ignore this reality, if you ignore this truth, you're really just ignoring God. Now given all these things that Paul has said, how do we respond? What do we do? Well, I think um, Paul indicates two different responses. Firstly, in verse 27, I think we should rejoice. Verse 27 calls the barren woman, the, the, the woman of freedom, to rejoice. And we can rejoice because like Sarah, like Sarah the freed woman, we, are, we have received God's promises. God has given them to us. That is why we can rejoice. We can rejoice and give thanks that God has saved us from our ignorance. God has saved us from our barrenness despite our attempts to save ourselves, despite our helplessness. We can rejoice because this, this message reminds us of how good God is. That's our first response. Now I think our second response, um, we can see in verses 20, 29 and 30. That is, we, have, we are to have nothing, nothing to do with slavery. We have to throw out the old slavish ways behind us. We have to do nothing. We have, we have to have nothing to do with the false gospel because the lies of the false gospel destroy the freedom that God has given us. Those who say you must pray particular prayers, those who say you must perform particular rituals, those who say that you must observe particular holy practices, these people are false prophets. They are proclaiming a gospel plus works. And they are persecuting God's free people. They are diminishing and rejecting God's power and God's love for us as free people. Um, And so we are to have nothing to do with these practices. Now I think um, uh, the way that this sort of plays itself out can be a bit um, difficult to understand and sometimes can be a bit confusing. 
Um, let me just tell you a bit of a story from a conversation I was having with someone the other day, um, not, not in campus, it was somewhere far away from here. Uh, and I was talking to someone about these issues, actually, um, very similar sort of topic. And this person said to me, um, they said, Daniel, I think it's very important um, that we must go and, and do confession and that we must go to church each Sunday. And I think it's very important that we do all these things. And, and I think, th think this because when I do these things, it brings me peace. You know, when I say um, particular prayers, when I say particular words, it helps me feel at ease and makes me know that I am right with God. And this person then said, now if I don't do these, I, if I don't do these things, I feel, I just feel a bit uncomfortable and a bit uneasy. And do you see the slavery that this person is under? I think it's a bit subtle, but I think we can spot it. That is, this person is depending on their own works, what they do, what they say, to make themselves right with God. They're depending on their religious piety to find their peace with God. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong to, to say prayers. I'm not saying it's wrong to go to church. These are all good things. But what the Bible tells us is that these are not the things that make us right with God. What the Bible tells us is that our peace from God comes through faith alone. Now, when I tried to explain this to this, um, to this person I was talking to, I said, we don't need to do anything but trust in God alone. They responded um, quite strongly to me. And they said, Daniel, why are you trying to distinguish yourself so much from what I think and what I say? Why are you making such a big deal of this disagreement? Isn't God loving? Don't we all believe in the same God? Aren't these doctrinal issues just minor and insignificant? Now I hope and I pray that today and over the past weeks as we've been looking through Galatians, that you um, can see otherwise that you can see that this is actually turning back the old way. This is returning to um, a gospel plus works. This is returning back to um, depending upon yourself and your religion to earn your standing before God. And that this is actually slavery. This is a massive distortion of the true gospel. And so, my encouragement to you today from this passage is please, please hear Paul's warning. Beware that although over time um, new things become old, don't let that happen to your salvation. Don't let your trust in, 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 in Jesus Christ alone um, fall away and don't return back to slavery. I want to encourage you to stay free and trust in Jesus Christ alone. Um, I'm going to invite Lindy to come up now and to pray for us.